Welcome to EGN Leadership Conversations, the untold secrets of the C-suite. I will be speaking with industry leaders on hot and trending topics. Enjoy the podcast. Today we have with us Eddie Gandler. He's the CEO with Speedum Cybersecurity, and we will talk to him about innovation culture in Israel. Eddie, a warm welcome. How are you? Great. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, great being here with you, Nick. That's good. Please introduce yourself to the listeners. My name is Edward Gandler. I'm from Israel. I relocated to Singapore about one and a half years ago to establish here an R&D company. I have over 20 years of senior management in governmental, public sector related organizations. And also I dealt with global project strategic planning and building capacity and definitely project execution. And also I have expertise in the private sector and the third sector, the nonprofit one. And my background is electrical engineer, um, like 30 years ago from Israel Institute of Technology, and then uh, some public, uh, senior public administration and uh, business, business, business education from the U.S. Okay, great, Eddie. And I've heard uh, some, some bits and pieces about the innovation culture in Israel from uh, a friend I have from there, and I'm always get inspired to hear his story. So today we want to learn and hear from you. Uh, but first, to start us off, what do you mean with innovation culture in Israel? You know, it's 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 a bit funny because most of the people that talked about Israel, they hear about Israel either from the news or from technology and innovation point of view. And regard Israel as an um, innovative country or startup country. And uh, a lot of people ask themselves why. What happened that that culture emerged in Israel? Israel is a quite a new country, 70 years old. And what happened in Israel that Israel became such a country? And a lot of studies has, has been conducted on this subject in Israel and outside of Israel. And I would like to, to share with you my own perspective about the ecosystem and the culture that, that regarded Israel to be an innovative country. Exciting, Eddie. And uh, perhaps you can outline what would be the three key things that stand out here. The history of Israel, uh, not Israel, but, but the Jewish people that goes back to like 3,000 years old and uh, 2,000 years out of our land created a culture of learning and created a culture of asking questions. I mean, when a small, I mean, you have a kid or son or daughter, doesn't matter. Uh, one of the first thing you want to teach them is to pose doubt, not to be obedient. And it goes with the culture for thousands of years. So the curiosity to ask why is something very deep in the DNA of every one of us. And it's something very fundamental. When I come and meet other cultures, and it's not to compare, it just strikes you, the differences and the core values of different cultures. So in Israel, we are very messy, if I can say, okay? We are very loud. We, you can say not polite. We don't have structure, but it's with a reason because we maximize on asking questions. We maximize on posing doubt and give opportunity to other thinking as well. It's very deep in our DNA. It is funny, but you have, a, let's say, you have a small kid, let's say five years old, okay? You want that he'll go to sleep, 
and you are his father. Say, so go to sleep. And you want that he will listen to you because it's late. And he will ask you why I have to go to sleep. I'm not tired. And you have to explain him. Not because you are his father and you told him to do so. Because you want to understand. If you will not be able to understand and convince him, yes, at the end you can say, go to sleep and you know. But it's something within the process. It's something very important. It's like a core element. Another core element that I would say is our society and the networking. Also, it goes many years back from our religious structure, but not because of religious, because the religious made us to meet three times a day, at least 10 people at a synagogue. So those kind of gatherings created the ability to meet in person, not for a specific subject, but just to socialize. And you're socializing three times a day with your neighbors, with your peers. And every stranger, let's say, that comes to town is invited. And you'll ask him, you'll talk to him, you get to know him. That's also very important. And this system of socializing and talking and sharing ideas is also something very fundamental. And those two pillars is for hundreds or thousands of years with us. Now, when the, when, when the state of Israel created, we had another very strong engine, and it is the military service. The military service is compulsory in Israel. Every uh, man, women, 18 years old, have to go to military service for two or three years. And it is a, a melting pot of opinion, of skills, and of opportunities. It's a huge challenge for an 18 years old to go to a military service, that someone tell him what you have to do, and very strict, totally different than I described before. The diversity of people in Israel, because we have citizens from all the countries in the world. You, you can find Jews everywhere. And we have people from the Middle East, from Latin America, from North America, from all the European countries, from Asian countries, from Africa, and all of them are Israelis. So they brought a diversity. And the diversity of thinking and sharing is a huge strength when you know how to harvest it. It's a huge incubator of skills and opportunities. And that's the reason you can find in the army a lot of top units that are the incubators of Israeli high-tech arena in the last 30, 40 years. All the great, not all, but let's say 90% probably of the great Israeli startups, unicorns and other tech companies originally started with a small group or even one entrepreneur that came from those units in the military service. So practically the, the military service is another very strong pillar, not so ancient as the culture, the history, the religion, but it's a very strong uh, accelerator of skills and capacities. That's exciting, Eddie. And, and um, can you just let us know, what do you think companies should do when it comes to innovation? What should they focus on? And why do they need to focus on innovation? I'm very biased. So that's my own perspective. I think if we are not innovating and not challenging ourselves, I mean, personally, as a person, I try to challenge myself and not rest in, you know, in my comfort zone. Okay, I reach a certain position or a certain doesn't matter, goal, and it's enough. So I try to challenge myself even by relocating to Singapore and, you know, walk the talk. And I, I think companies that are not striving to innovate going to go back, or I don't want to say going to die because it's too, too strong, but 
uh, if you are not innovative, so someone will do it faster and better than you. Someone will copy and will do exactly what you are doing a little bit different, a little bit better, a little bit cooler, you know, ah, it's very nice, nicer. And the me too will reach you very fast. And also, when I look at my employees or even at myself, if the environment is not challenging me, I will be bored. I will leave the company. So I think innovation serves, first of all, your survival in the business world. And it's, it's a survival. And also to hold your team with the right challenge and give them opportunity to develop and shape their skills, not to do the same thing as, let's say, as a machine. If a machine can, can do it, so you don't need manpower, just replace it and move your precious employees to the place you have to create to the place you have to innovate. You have to do something. You, you have to carve a new path. But I said I'm biased. So I hope it's not too, too biased. Hi. I, I am, if, if I can uh, say, I think companies need two engines. If I can make a, a metaphor or framing. One engine is the, the engine that works and, and brings the milk. Okay, That's the system. And the other engine, it's the innovative engine that makes you alive, that thinks about the future, that thinks about what we should do next. And both of them supposed to be very good. We cannot leave companies, enterprises with one strong engine. You cannot be only innovative without implementing and bringing revenue back. And you cannot rely only on cash cow without innovating and producing or trying to invent the next cash cow. Right. And what have then changed this year? 2022 is coming to us with so many changes the whole workplace is thrown in the air. People are trying to get back to the office. Others don't want to come back. Companies are divided. There's wars, there's inflation, there's perhaps a, a recession. Is it the depression around the corner? So how is this affecting innovation then? Wow, that's a huge question. I would try to define that 22 or even 21, yes, change quite a lot. First of all, the pandemic and the future of health is really here presence and and we still feel it we all have some scars from this pandemic and it will continue to walk with us for quite a long time uh, second issue is the hybrid work and all the consequences of working from home previously we had to do it now we should decide how to do it and it's a huge change the third issue that you mentioned is everything regarding economy inflation, finance, that I believe only started with the aftershock. And we're going to have a lot of unrest and volatile area. I think travel and leisure change a lot. People are seeking uh, to go out as it used to be, but it's not as it used to be. It's different. And I think also technology will, will play a lot. Even cyber cybersecurity, because people with the hybrid work from home do more remote work. And more remote work expose the company and the company's IP be more vulnerable. It is a huge task to give the opportunity to work remotely and give the freedom to the employees to balance work and life as we should do. And on the other hand, uh, to be able to protect the intellectual property of the company and to protect the, the culture of the company, not to protect, to, to develop, to shape, to create. Because if everyone is remote, what is a company? A company has a different meaning. So from a leadership point of view, uh, we have a huge challenge how to hold, how to keep, how to create the 
the, the right spirit when you do it remotely, when part of your employees are here, part of your employees there working in a different country, maybe different time zone. They have their own different kind of ecosystem and environment. And it's, it's quite challenging, much more challenging than it used to be in the past. Today, let's say if previously the challenge was you want to hire a good employee. So the challenges are the companies that around you that might offer him something. So today is easy. No, sorry, much, much more difficult because companies from the Silicon Valley can offer him a job and he can work remotely from his home. It's very, very, very difficult to keep an employee when Google or Amazon or Apple or hundreds of multinational companies try to offer him every day very attractive positions working remotely from home. Yeah. And, and, and that leads me to the last question of today. How can we use innovation to give us a competitive edge? I think we, I don't have a, you know, a recipe, but only a mindset and at least to, to try to what I, I, I practice many years. First of all, walk the talk. I mean, if you want to innovate, so create a culture that enable innovation to come, that everyone can speak, that everyone can change and create those procedures that supports innovation, lifelong learning. You can do internal innovation. It's very good to bring external innovation and other opinions, diversity, moving brains from other industries uh, to your company brings a lot of ideas from different aspects and it, it gives your company the opportunity to think differently and to minimize the setup time of moving to, to, other, to other issues, other subjects as well. I would create, if, if a company doesn't have a structure, an engine, a system that supports innovation and try to challenge our concepts, our strategy, our doing very frequent. I don't know if once a year is good or once a quarter, doesn't matter, but do it usually. Bring someone else to look at your company, to look at your policy, to look at your strategy from a different angle with a different glasses, because I think it, it is challenging. You have to be open. You have to, to build trust with the outsiders, but don't count on your own judgment because it's not enough all the time it's enough 90 percent, but there are some percentage that you need the innovation the other framing the insights and most of the time there are either within your employees that you have to listen to them and give them the ability to stand out and to say what they think or from the outside uh, and, and now finally uh, this conversation that is so exciting and i'm sure we could continue to talk about this all day you have so much insights uh, so if people want to continue this dialogue with you, what's the best way for them to contact you? Email, LinkedIn, phone, everything uh, is possible. I'm here. Would be glad to talk, to share and to learn. Thank you, Eddie. And I would actually like to invite you back to the podcast a bit later on also to talk about uh, your field of uh, cybersecurity, which is indeed inspiring also. Would you be up for that? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That sounds great. And, and thank you for the great insight today. Eddie Gandler, the CEO with Spadum Cybersecurity, has been talking to us about innovation and especially focusing on innovation culture in Israel, which always inspires me. Thank you again, Eddie, and thanks to all the listeners.
Thank you for listening to EGN Leadership Conversations, the untold secrets of the C-suite.